I want to say uh, good morning. First of all, I want to wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving, those who are watching online and those who are here with us in our building today. A lot of folks are already headed out of town, and that's a good thing in a way because I know a lot of pent-up desire and demand has been out there to kind of see uh, another part of the world. So anyway, we're glad that you're here. And I thought I would start off today. We don't do this often. I thought we'd play a little game, if that's okay with you. And it's called Word Association. We've done this before. And I'm going to put a word up on the screen. And what I want you to do is just shout out the first word that comes to your mind. Now, let me just say this. I've done my research. I'm putting the number one response most people give, all right? So we'll see how close you are to normal, okay? So I'm going to put the first word up. And then the first word that comes to your mind, you just shout it out. Ready? White. Okay. How many said black? All right, good. All right, good? Bad. Bad. Yep. Night. Georgia. Bulldogs, you got it. That's right. Number one, no doubt about it. Thank you. All right, give, take, right? Give, take. I put that last for this reason. I knew that would be the response, and I'll tell you why that's so interesting. Because today, we're going to talk about giving. But in church, it's different. The moment a pastor gets up and just says the word give, the word that comes to your mind is money. Then you add an adjective in front of it, or actually a personal pronoun. You think about my money. And then the first thought that comes to your mind is, okay, here we go. He is going to try to take my money. So, I get it. I understand it. If I were out there and I were not a pastor, I'd probably kind of be thinking the same thing because let's be honest. If I told you today I was going to be talking about love or I was going to be talking about peace or I was going to be talking about joy or I was going to be talking about happiness or maybe some hot topic that's out there, you'd be all in. You'd say, man, I'm glad I came to church today. But when the pastor says giving, you kind of mentally start checking out. And before you do that, I want to challenge you. If you truly understand one thing about God, and you may not, but if you truly understand one thing about God and therefore what God says about giving, let me tell you the first word that should come to your mind. When I say give, the first word that comes to your mind should not be take. The first word that should come to your mind is grace. If you think biblically, if you understand God, if you understand what a loving, gracious God He is, then the first word you ought to think about is the word giving. You say, why, why do you say that? Because I believe you can't talk about one without talking about the other. I believe they're joined at the hip. I mean, think about the definition of the word. What is grace? Well, I've told you this many times before. What is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. But how do you get what you don't deserve? Somebody has to give you what you don't deserve. You don't get it unless, you, unless somebody gives, right? Giving and getting go together. Christmas is coming up. You're going to get Christmas presents. I'm going to get Christmas presents. Why? Because somebody's going to give you Christmas presents. Somebody's going to give me Christmas presents. So really, even though grace is getting what you don't deserve, that means someone first had to give you what you didn't deserve. And the reason why a lot of us are really kind of allergic to messages about giving, we don't like them, is because either we really haven't ever really experienced grace or we really don't understand it. 
And let me tell you where I got this idea. I didn't come up with this. I got this idea from a group of churches, some of the most amazing churches in history. Let me tell you about them. If you brought a copy of God's Word or you want to get out your iPad or your iPhone, I'm in the book of 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. It's about six books over from the Gospels. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me tell you what's going on. There were, 2,000 years ago, there were a group of churches that were located in a place called Macedonia. Now, you may not know where that is, but you really do. Macedonia was a Roman province located just northeast of Greece. If you ever go to Greece, I'm going to Greece next year, God willing, if this pandemic lets up, I'm going to be going to Greece. We're going to take, I've already got about, I don't know how many people already signed up to go. Well, we'll be going to the area of Macedonia. But back in the day, it was a very pagan area. It was very hostile to Christianity. And the churches there were not only in, under severe persecution, but they were in deep, deep poverty. They were dirt poor. And furthermore, when this story was written, when what we're about to read was written, the times were bad everywhere just like they are now. There was a global economic downturn taking place. There was a worldwide depression. Well, one of the hardest hit places was the city of Jerusalem. I mean, everything was in the tank, and Christians were really, really hurting. The church was suffering unbelievably. They were on the verge of total devastation. Well, there was a man by the name of Paul. If you're not a believer, you may not know that name, but church people do. There was a man by the name of Paul. Paul was a Jew who hated Christianity, who persecuted Christians, who had Christians put to death till he met the risen Lord on a Damascus road. And Jesus totally changed his life. And Paul became not a persecutor of the church, not a prosecutor of the church. He became the number one preacher in the church. And God called Paul to begin to be the first missionary truly the world's ever known. So Paul began to travel all over Asia Minor, and he was taking up an offering. He was asking other churches to give an offering to the church in Jerusalem <clears throat> to help all those brothers and sisters that were undergoing such a difficult, difficult time. Well, there were some churches in a place called Corinth. If you go with me to Greece, we'll go to Corinth. We'll actually see the church, uh, the ruins of the church that was there. Well, we, there, were, there were a group of churches in Corinth, and, and unlike all the other churches, Corinth was actually doing very well. It was a very high, upper-class city. And, and the church there really was, they weren't really affected by the downturn. They were very, very prosperous. These were a group of churches that were able to give. They had the money to give. The problem was they didn't want to give. They were too tied into their money. They weren't real excited about giving to this offering. And, and, and so the people that could give the most actually were giving the least. So in order to try and motivate them to give, Paul is telling these Corinthians about the, this amazing story about these churches over in Macedonia that were dirt poor, that were under severe persecution, that were in deep, deep poverty, but they insisted on giving to the offering when they really didn't have very much to give at all. Now, let me just stop and say, particularly some of you who may be watching online right now on your computer or phone, you may be tempted to turn the dial. You may be tempted to kind of say, you know what, I don't want to hear this. Because I realize there's some of you right now, you're thinking to yourself, how in the world in the midst of the mess that we're in right now. This economic situation that we're facing, the uncertainty of the future. You're going to talk about giving? I mean, are you serious? I mean, the pandemic's rising again. There's talk of another shutdown. I almost lost my job the first time. I'm not even sure I'm going to have a job after Christmas. And you're going to talk to me about giving? Well, I want to change your mindset. 
I want you to do me a favor. I don't want you to think about giving. I want you to think about trusting. That's what I want to talk about. Because giving really comes down to a matter of trust. And I don't want you to think about trusting in me. I don't want you to think about trusting in the church. I don't want you to think about trusting in the government. I don't want you to think about trusting in the president or the president-elect. I don't even want you to think about trusting in your job. I'm talking about trusting in a God of grace who promised before you drew your first breath, he would meet every need that you have, and he would bless every gift that you give. Now, I realize, and I'm with you, it's hard to trust God in bad times. It's hard to trust God when maybe the paycheck will stop. It's hard to trust God when you got to wear a mask everywhere that you go. I get it. I understand it. But here's how that trust will come. If you will adopt three attitudes in your life beginning today, they can absolutely change your life even in the midst of a pandemic. Number one, appreciate the gift of grace. Appreciate the gift of grace. Now, Paul is trying to motivate these wealthy, prosperous Christian churches to be generous. He's trying to really kind of get get them revved up. He's trying to get them to understand, look, God's given you a lot, not so you can hoard it, not so you can keep it, not just so you can hide it. God's given it to you so you can share it. So he uses the example of these churches in Macedonia. I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, remember he's talking to the church at Corinth. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He says, I want you to think about the grace that God has given to these churches. Now, the question is, wait a minute, Paul. Why are you calling attention to the grace that God's given those churches? Hadn't God given the church at Corinth the same grace? Yes. Hadn't God given the church at Ephesus the same grace? Well, yes. Hadn't God given the church at Philippi the same grace? Yes. Doesn't God give grace to all of his churches? Yes, he does. But so what was different? I mean, you can't even have a real church apart from the grace of God. I don't even have a message to preach apart from the grace of God. So what was the difference? Here was the difference. These Macedonians not only had received the grace of God, they realized the grace of God. They never forgot the grace of God. They understood that God's grace had changed their whole outlook on what they had and what they could give. Now, we know this because of what Paul says next, which is really kind of phenomenal. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I want to read that again because that sounds like a contradiction. So they're in the midst of a trial. Yeah. But they've got overflowing joy. That's really? And they're in extreme poverty. Yeah, they're basically almost starving to death. But it welled up in Rich generosity. Now, there's two words that we don't ever think go together, and that is the word poverty and the word generosity. Because now we know of at least two problems these churches were experiencing. They were experiencing poverty, and they were experiencing persecution. I mean, they were under the gun financially. They were under the gun socially. They were under the gun culturally. They were not affluent. They were afflicted. They weren't prosperous. They were poor. Their, their net worth was worthless. If you'd gone to the churches in Corinth, there weren't any wealthy businessmen. There weren't any CEOs. 
There weren't any doctors. There weren't any lawyers in their church. This was a church that was filled with blue-collar, minimum wage, hardworking people. And they weren't thriving. They were just into surviving. They were just literally trying to make it from one day to the next. And yet, out of all of this, Paul says, came this rich generosity. Now, in a way, that's a joke. They weren't rich, but they were generous. I mean, their standard of living was rock bottom low, but their standard of giving was Rocky Mountain High. I made that up. Y'all say amen to that. There, there's, I, I, I mean, listen, give me some credit. Their standard of living, rock bottom low. Their standard of giving, Rocky Mountain High. So here, just a reminder to all of us, you don't have to be rich to be generous. You don't have to be rich to be generous. Generosity is not measured by how much you give. Generosity is measured by how you give and why you give. See, here's, let, me, let me destroy a myth for all of us this morning. I had to remind myself of this. How many times, and I've said this to myself, so let's just be honest. You don't need to raise your hand. Because I guarantee you this is either true of you or it will be. How many times have you thought to yourself, I'd be more generous if I just had more money? I'd give a lot more to the church if I just made a lot more money. We've, I promise you, we've all thought that. Boy, I wish I had it to give. I've heard, if I had more to give, I'd give it. You know, we like to think like in America, we like to think we're a generous nation. You know, generous nations should be made up of generous people, right? Well, it may shock you to learn that more than 85% of Americans last year gave away 2% of their income. 85% of Americans gave away less than 2% of their income. Well, maybe they just didn't have enough. Well, <laughs> on average, listen to this. On average, there are, as of today, there are 2,825 billionaires in the world. Not millionaires. There are 2,825 billionaires in the world. Do you know what all those billionaires gave to charitable causes last year? On average, 1.2%. 1.2%. Listen to this. The 10 wealthiest Americans last year, the 10 wealthiest people in our nation last year, do you know what they gave to charity last year? 0.94% of their money. More wealth doesn't guarantee more generosity. So let me just tell you the cold hard truth about all of us. What you'll do with a dollar is what you'll do with a million. So don't fool yourself. Don't, don't, I, just, I want to save you some time and breath. Don't think one day you're going to stand before God and say, well, Lord, I would have given more had I had more. No, you wouldn't. What you do with a dollar, you'll do with a million. So here's the question we got to raise, and it's fascinating. Every time I read this passage, it blows my mind. Why was a poor church drowning in poverty, persecuted on all sides, why were they so generous? Paul says there's only one explanation they understood the gift of grace. They got it. They understood. You know what? Do you know why you're sitting here in front of me right now? Do you know why you're watching me on that screen right now? you know why you're alive right now? One reason. It's not because you work out. It's not because you watch your diet. It's not because you've got good genes. 
You're alive right now because of the grace of God. Can I get a witness to that? You're alive right now because of the grace of God. You're not in the hospital today just because of the grace of God. It's all by the grace of God. And here's the truth. When you finally understand every day is a gift of God's grace, every blessing is a blessing of God's grace, every favor is a favor of God's grace, all of a sudden the light comes on and here's what you start saying. It's not that I have to give. I want to give. I want to give just because of God's grace. So here's another reminder. Giving is just a visible sign of invisible grace. That's all it is. Giving is a visible sign of invisible grace. Now, if you'd really like to know just how much of the grace of God you understand, if I were to say to you, do you really understand the grace of God? If you were to say, oh, yeah, Pastor, I, I understand it. If I were to say to you, do you really appreciate the gift, the, the, the grace of God in your life? Oh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Okay, let's put it to the test. Let me ask you one question. And then you'll tell yourself how much you really understand or appreciate the gift of grace. You ready? What kind of a giver am I? Talk's cheap. You don't know how much you really understand God's grace in your life, how much you appreciate it? Just ask the question. What kind of a giver am I? I want to, and let me say this again. Giving is not about money. So I'm not after your money. Giving is about Grace. And grace is all about giving. And what we're learning here is amazing grace always leads to abundant giving. Amazing grace always leads to abundant giving. So you appreciate the gift of grace. Now, here's what will happen. Watch this. When you finally wake up and you realize just how great God's grace is in your life, and how everything you have and everything you are is all because of the grace of God, when you appreciate the gift of giving, then you will initiate the privilege of giving. You'll initiate the privilege of giving. I, I pastored some great churches. I, I, I really have, and I visited some even greater churches. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever seen or ever heard of churches as great as these churches in Macedonia. Because remember, I'm going to say it again. They're under persecution. They're in poverty. And here's the truth of the matter. They should have been giving an offering. Somebody should have been taking up an offering for them. And they would have had every right to have said, Paul, you're asking us to take an offering? Man, we need an offering. By the way, the word for poverty in verse 2 that we read a moment ago, that literally refers to a beggar that has nothing and no hope of getting anything. In other words, here's the truth. This was a church full of beggars. If you want to know the truth about it, it was a church full of beggars. It was a bad time to ask these people to give anything to anybody. It was a terrible time to take up an offering. Stock market was down. Economy's in the tank. Jobs are scarce. Price of firewood was going up. The unemployment rate was soaring. And nobody would have blamed these churches, not even Paul. Nobody would have blamed these churches if they had begged off. Nobody would have said one word. Nobody would have been critical of them if they said, you know, we would love to give. We just don't have any money. We would love to give. We just don't have much ability to give. And they didn't. Listen, they didn't have a lot of ability to give. But boy, the next statement, this just gets better and better and better. Listen to this. For I testify, this is what Paul said. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. In other words, they not only gave what they were able to give, but they gave more than they were really able to give. Now, the question is, wait a minute, how do you do that? How in the world do you really give beyond your ability? 
Because let's be honest, okay? Here's, we're, just gonna, we're just brass tacks today, right? Here's the way most of us give. If we're just being truthful, here's the way most of us give. We give according to our ability or what we think we're able to give. So we do the math, right? We calculate what we have. We calculate what we want to have left over. And then we, we give what we think we can afford to give out of whatever we have that is left over. That's what we do. So what's wrong with that? Just one thing. When you do your math and you give according to what you think you can give, when you say, okay, this is what I've got. This is what I want to keep for myself. This is what I've got to spend to live. And whatever I've got to keep for myself, whatever the leftover is, I will give something out of that. Here's the problem. Then you're depending on you to give. Then you're depending on yourself. But when you begin to give beyond what you think you can give or what you think you're able to give, then you're trusting God. Then you're listening to God. Then you're obeying God. Then you're saying something. That, and now you're getting honest. You're saying, you know what? I'm finally realizing, God, I cannot outgive you. You will not let me outgive you. You know what, God? I believe you, I believe you told the truth when you said, I will reap where I sow. I believe you told the truth when you said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But it all goes back to one word. Grace, say that word out loud. Grace, it all goes back to grace. See, here's the truth. The grace of God will move you from doing what you think you can do by sight to what you believe God can do through faith. That's what grace will do. It will move you from doing what you think you can do by sight to what you believe God can do through faith. Now, let me just say, let me just say if I just stopped right here, I'd stop the message right here. You'd have to agree with one thing. You may not like the message. You'd have to agree with this. You'd have to say, boy, you know, pastor, that's an unbelievable group of believers. Man, I mean, I'd love to have been a part of those churches. I just can't believe the people that they are. And, and, and to be honest, it's just hard to believe the story. But the next part of the story, I'm going to be honest, it's going to make you shake your head even more. When you read the next part of the story, you're going to go, this just can't be true. Because listen to what Paul goes on to say entirely on their own. Now, what's this? They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You know, I, I pastored five churches over four decades. You know, I've never had anybody walk in before a service and say something like this. You do take up an offering, right? Because if you don't, I'm not, I'm not even coming to this church. I've never had that happen. I, I really, I've never had that happen. I, and I'll be honest, there'll be some of you that might question it, but look, can I just be honest? I bet you if we quit asking for an offering from you each week, some of you wouldn't bother you a bit. I'm, I'm cool with that. Paul says, I didn't even have to ask them. They ask us. Nobody pressured them. Nobody twisted their arm, and I'm not going to try to twist your arm. Nobody put them on a guilt trip. I'm not to put you on a guilt trip. And thank God they didn't get a robocall 12 times a day saying, this is the Apostle Paul. I urgently need your help. Please give this offering today. If I get one more of those, I'm going to cuss for the first time in my life. How many of you are getting those calls? God help us. We can send a man to the moon, but we can't keep him from the robocalls. But they weren't badgered. They weren't bullied. But here's the unbelievable thing. Are you ready for this? Listen, here's this next statement. They weren't begging to get out of the offering. They were begging to get in on it. 
good Lord, what if we had that kind of a spirit and attitude in the church? Now, how do you explain that? Simply put, unlike a lot of us, they didn't see giving as a duty. They saw giving as a delight. They didn't see giving as a burden. They saw giving as a blessing. They didn't see giving as something to try to get out of. They they saw giving as something to get, you know. They didn't see giving as a loss. They saw giving as a gain. Because this is that statement again. They urgently pleaded for the privilege of sharing. So I just want to ask you, just be honest. Have you ever thought about giving as a privilege, as an honor, as a joy, as a blessing? Now, you, some of you may be sitting there saying, boy, I've got to ask you a question. Where do you get that kind of attitude? I mean, why would they want to give bread to somebody else when they can hardly put bread on their own table? Why would they want to give others the ability to, meet their, to make their ends meet when they could barely make their own ends meet? What moved them from hoarding to helping? What moved them from keeping to giving? Well, that leads to the last thing. They had learned to celebrate the blessing of generosity. When you appreciate the gift of grace, you'll initiate the privilege of giving. And when you initiate the privilege of giving, you'll celebrate the blessing of generosity. Now, let me show you the secret sauce. Let me show you how they pulled this off. Because I, you know, this, this last statement explains everything. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Everything I've read goes against human nature. Let's just be honest. I mean, if we were going to take up an offering, the last person we'd go to are poor people, right? We don't go to poor people. We've got to give to poor people. These were poor people. So how in the world, what in the world, how were they so different? How, how did these early Christians who had so very little Relative to what they had, how did they give so very much? And how in a world of give and take did they believe it's better to give than it is to take? How in the world did they get there? Here's the secret. And they exceeded our expectations. Earlier, Paul said, I never dreamed I'd get what I got out of that church. I never expected that they'd give what they gave. How? They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. There's the secret. That's the sauce. By the way, that phrase, first of all, doesn't mean first in time. It means first in importance. In other words, the reason why giving practically everything they had was not hard, what a big deal. They could do it just like that. The reason why they could give practically everything they had is because they had already given God something far greater than what they had. They had given God who they were. So, you ready for the secret? Here it is. It's easy to give anything that you have when you've already surrendered to God everything that you are. It's easy. It just is. When you've already surrendered everything you are to God, it's easy to give God everything that you have. See, I want you to hear this. This is so important. I don't want to get too far off this, but because I know people are watching, I want to stay in the lights. Generosity does not have anything to do with your wallet. It has everything to do with your heart. Did you hear what I said to you? 
See, some of you think, you ain't fooling me, boy. I heard you preachers before. You're after my money. Well, first of all, bad grammar, great theology. It ain't your money. But I'm not after your money. That's small game. I'm after your heart. When God gets your heart, money follows. It's not about your, what's in your wallet. It's about what's in your heart. When you give all that you are to the Lord, you've got no trouble getting anything that you have to the Lord. Let me give an illustration. Next year, I'll celebrate 45 years of marriage to Teresa. And, and I've, I've got the privilege, honest. I told her the other day, I'm married to the most beautiful wonderful woman on the planet. Every day, one of the things I thank God for is every day she married me and didn't marry somebody else. <clears throat> There's one thing that Teresa knows about me. And I, I've proven it to her for 40 plus years. I will give her anything she wants. Now, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I will give her anything she wants. Now, thankfully, I'm married to a woman that doesn't really want that much. But to be honest, if she wants it, she gets it. I've never batted, I've never batted an eye on giving her anything she wanted. But you know, you know why that's so easy for me? Because over 40 years ago, I gave her my heart. When I gave her my heart, giving her anything else was easy. Because when you give someone your heart all that you are, it's easy to give them everything that you have. You know what she said to me? You know what she said to me was the first thing that attracted her to me? I wish I could tell you it was my good looks. It wasn't. She said, the first thing that attracted her to me was I let her know before I gave her my heart, I'd already given my life to the Lord. And she knew right up front, if you're going to marry me, we're going to serve the Lord together. See, this church saw the benefits of their rich generosity. I mean, think about what happened because of their giving. Just think about this. Babies survived, poor people were clothed, hungry people were fed, lives were saved, the gospel was preached, people were transformed, all because this poverty-stricken, persecuted Macedonian group of churches who decided, you know what, we can go from rags to riches, not because of what we get, but because of what we give. So I want us now just to take a minute, we're going to wrap this up, think through what I've said. Let's just think this through for a minute. If we really trust God, if I were to say to you, do you really trust God? Now, before you give a knee-jerk response, let me ask you some questions. The first question is, how? As in, how could we be more generous with what we have? How could we do that? The next question is, where? Where is the best place to start being generous? The next question is, when? I mean, I, I'll just be honest. I believe the best place is the church. I, I, I believe that law of Martha. That's what Paul did. But when? When are we going to start? I'd like to ask you to start today. I believe the best time is now. But here's the last question, which is the most important one. Which, you ready? What are we going to do with the grace of God? What are we going to do with the grace of God? We're asking you to help us. We've done great this year financially, but we want to we want to make sure our budget needs are met. We do. And I'm praying that you'll really step up to the plate. You know, we're coming to the end of the year, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give over and above what I've already given. 
Because when you give to our church, you know what goes on. Lives are transformed. The gospel is preached. People are saved. Churches are planted. Hungry people get fed. Poor people get clothing. We're in the game. Homeless people get ministered to. We're in the game. And just to help you give some resources, I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. You can either text, there's a website, crosspointchurch.com slash trust, or text trust to 56525. There's no appeal there. No, I was going to twist your arm. It's just some ways that you can think about and pray about creatively how you can get involved in being the giver that God wants you to be. All right, now, everybody put their Bibles down, close your iPads, notepads. Look up here, right up here. Everybody give me your full attention. Two more minutes, we're done. Because this is, I, I've never done, I've never shared this with you before. Every time I share it, I get goosebumps reading it. How many of you have ever heard of the novelist or read any of the books of Stephen King? How many of you have ever, okay, a few of you, right? Best-selling novelist, right? Horror novelist. Now, the one thing when you hear about the name Stephen King, you don't think about a purveyor of biblical truth, right? I mean, that's not Stephen King. In 2001, he gave a commencement address to Vassar College graduates, and he gave so much biblical truth, he didn't even realize he was giving. Now, I'm going to read it to you, but you may want to read, you may want to read the words. We're going to put it up on the screen as I read it. I'm just going to read it. But it's, so, it's long, but I want you to listen to what he said. And this guy's not even a believer, but listen to what he said. A couple of years ago, I found out what you, that uh, what you can't take it with you means. I found out while I was lying in a ditch at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood, and with the tibia of my right leg poking out the side of my jeans like the branch of a tree taken down in a thunderstorm. I had a MasterCard in my wallet. But when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. We all know that life is ephemeral, but on that particular day and the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at, at life's simple backstage truth. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed when we go out, but we're just as broke. Warren Buffett, going to go out broke. Bill Gates, going out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. Stephen King, broke. Not a crying dime. All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that's mostly smoke and mirrors. It's still going to be a quarter past getting late whether you tell the time on a Timex or Rolex. No matter how large your bank account, no matter how many credit cards you have, sooner or later, things will begin to go wrong with the only three things you have you can really call your own, your body, your spirit, and your mind. And by the way, you can't even call those your own. God owns those too. So I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All you have is on loan anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. Read that again. Listen. All you have is on loan. All that lasts is what you pass on. We have a power to help, the power to change. And why should we refuse? Because we're going to take it with us? Please. Giving is a way of taking the focus off the money we make and putting it back where it belongs. A life of giving, not just money, but time and spirit repays. It helps us to remember that we may be going out broke, but right now, we're doing okay. Right now, we have the power to do great good for others and for ourselves. So, I ask you to begin giving.
and to continue as you begin. I think you'll find in the end that you got more than you ever had. And you did more good than you ever dreamed. I tried to get Stephen to come preach for us. He was all too much money. Mr. King, if you ever get a chance to watch this, I just want to tell you, sir, I could not have said it better myself. When God, when you realize that God left heaven and God came to earth, we're talking about this this Christmas, not just to live, but to die. And not just to die for himself, but to die for you and to die for me. And when you realize he came back from the grave to give you the greatest thing you need in life, the two greatest things you need, forgiveness and eternal life. And you know what? When you finally get that in your heart and you finally get it in your mind and the light finally comes on, the next time a pastor gets up and says, let's talk about giving, you won't roll your eyes. You'll clap your hands. Let's pray together. With his bowed and with eyes closed just for a moment, you're watching online right now, I want to ask you one question. Jesus gave his life for you, so you give your life to him. Did you hear me? Jesus gave your life to him. Listen, even though you didn't deserve it, that's grace. He wants you to give your life to him, which he does deserve. If you've never done that today, whether you're watching online or whether you're in this building right now, if you've never made the greatest decision of your life to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Not your wallet, not your money, not your bank account, not your 401k. I'm not even worried about that. By the way, God can take that from you anytime he wants to. God wants your heart. He wants your life. Would you just say this to God right now? Would you say, God, first of all, forgive me for taking your grace for granted in my life. God, forgive me for not realizing that even the breath that I'm breathing right now is a gift of your grace. Today, believing that you, Lord Jesus, died for my sins and came back from that grave, today, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I trust you with all that I have. I repent and turn away from my sin. I receive your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And now, Lord Jesus, out of gratitude for your grace, beginning today, help me to be the giver that you put me on this earth to be. Now, if you're in this room, or if you prayed with me watching online, I want you to do something right now. Do it right now. On your iPad, on a computer, on your phone, or whatever, I want you to text crosspointchurch.com slash decision or text yes Jesus to 56525. I prayed to receive Christ today. We'd like to we'd like all we want to do when you go to these when you go to this uh, this website or this or you text to this number, there's going to be information and resources there to help you get started in your walk with God. You may say, you know, I've I've trusted Christ, but I was watching that baptism. I, I've never been baptized. That's the very first thing you get to give to Jesus after you get saved. The first thing you get to give is your baptism. And if you'd like to be baptized. If you'll just, again, text that website or text this number. We'll be glad to set that up. If you'd like to be, maybe I'd like to join your church. Do the same thing. Now, what we talked about today, 
as we enter this Christmas season, when we tell you every Sunday, you're not leaving this church, you're being sent from this church. You know why? We have the greatest thing the world needs today, grace, God's grace. And what we need to be doing is giving, not just money, not just time, but giving a witness to that grace. In a moment, we're going to sing one last song as we send you out. And I want to say again to those of you, all of you watching online and here in our building today, thank you for coming. I do pray you'll have a wonderfully blessed Thanksgiving.